Thank you. Holy Spirit, this morning I recognize that my need of you is great. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. And I pray, God, for a special, special day, this Pentecost Sunday. We're open, Lord, for you to do whatever you desire. Amen. This is Pentecost Sunday, and this Pentecost Sunday, I'm wrapping up this series that I began probably the end of February, I believe it was, on pictures of the Holy Spirit to help us in our understanding of the working and moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. We looked at oil and fire and dove as pictures of the Holy Spirit, and I just have one more message I want to share with you on the wind, mighty wind, the Holy Spirit, the mighty wind being a picture of the moving of the Holy Spirit. When you go to Acts chapter 2, because that's the passage, Pentecost Sunday. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts 2 verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. <clears throat> they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and that, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, this morning as I start, let me say this is the Pentecostal Scripture. As a Pentecostal church, this is where all of the roads cross. And all that we do and all the ministries we're involved in, they all cross here at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. We recognize as a Pentecostal church that we need a Pentecostal experience. This is the core of who we are. This is one of our distinctives as a denomination. This is like the Pentecostal gas station. Ephesians 5 tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we say, well, that's our gas station. We want to be filled because we need great, need great power, great energy to do what God has called us to do. So we know we've got to go back to the filling station and always be filled with more of His Spirit. This is where we take people if they want to know where, where did Calvary Temple come from? What's the history? What's the roots? Well, Calvary Temple is part of a denomination that's called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And we take them back to this passage in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God came down on the day of Pentecost. In the early 1900s, a group was gathered together, crying out to God. The Spirit of God came down again. We had a Pentecostal experience. So we are a Pentecostal denomination. And not just a Pentecostal experience happened back in Acts 2, but a Pentecostal experience happens today. We've had the Pentecostal experience. And we just want to glean from that, learn from that, and do a greater, greater work for the Lord. This is a distinctive that I still get excited about as a pastor. This is a distinctive that I value. A distinctive that I practice. It's a distinctive that I preach with great joy. Because I believe it can be both a distinctive and a defining moment where you can go back and say, here's where I was filled, but also it can be an ongoing lifestyle that we say, I, ongoing, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. In that passage before the experience took place, some say it was days before, maybe seven days, some say, before the Acts 2 verse 1 experience 
Jesus breathed out to his disciples in Acts 1 and verse 8, and he said, you shall receive power. <clears throat> you shall receive power. There isn't anyone here this morning that is not desirous to receive power. I, I'm hungry for power. Now, let me go on to share with you something. Just after general conference that took place a couple of weeks ago, I figured since I'm going to be three-quarters of the way home and going to Ottawa, I might as well continue the journey after conference to go home to Nova Scotia. Spend, spend Mother's Day with my mother. Very special time. So when I landed in the airport on Friday evening, my wife was going to join me on Saturday evening. So I landed before her at Halifax Airport. So I had a vehicle booked, a rental booked. And so when I went to the counter, I said, I tried to, <laughs> can you please upgrade me? I'm just... Here, it was a lady, and I said, I'm going to try to do a little charming here. So she did give me an upgrade. I said, do you have something a little more sportier, a little bigger, more powerful than a Hyundai accent? If you have a Hyundai accent, that's fine. But, you know, for a rental, just for a week, I just want to... Oh, she said, I can, I can get you into, into an Elantra. That's bigger, faster. No, no, can you do better? Okay. So she did better at a shallow little bit of money. I drove out of there in a 2012 Dodge Challenger with a Hemi motor. I think that's it. Oh, I squealed out of there. And the, the, my hometown is 40 kilometers from the airport. And I'd stop on the double-lane highway, no cars coming, and just put her to the floor, lay in rubber, and I saw all this power. I don't know if it's good for me or not, but right now it still feels great. So I, I, I laid rubber all the way home just to feel that power. People were looking and I was passing people. And I was afraid I was going to get caught for speeding, but oh, it felt good. I received that power. So then I got home. My mother's sitting in the window waiting for her son to come home. So I come in. She said, I just knew that was you when you drove in that splashy red car. Then I phoned my wife Friday night. I said, Lana, I'm going to surprise you with what I got. You'll never dream of what I got. And I think I, after I finished talking to her, I thought, maybe I better call her again and tell her what I got. Because it cost. And so when I told her, she made me take it back. <laughs> Gary, what are you doing? You're Scotty, she said. I can't believe you... It must have been the elevation or something in the air. I don't know what it was that messed with my mind. Yeah, I said, you're right. How could I have done that? Such a stupid thing. Then I thought to myself, how am I going to get out of this? So I said to my stepfather and my mother, I said, let's go for a little drive. So I got in the back seat and my stepfather and mom, I can't see out the window. You know, you can see, you can't see out the back there. They couldn't see a thing. Ah, I said, that's what I'll tell them. I took it back and I said, you know something, it's a nice car, but... My, my parents can't see out the window. I blamed it on them. They, they, they can't see out. Oh, she said, I'm so sorry. I never told you that they couldn't see out. I said, that's all right. Don't ever let that happen again. No, I didn't say that. I did, I did say that, though. They can't see out. So can I switch? So I switched, and I got the Atlanta, Atlanta. It was still pretty good. But for four hours, I received that power. And my wife took it away. And then we get, my wife comes down there, and then she buys this expensive perfume, 
We go in this store, and she's, oh, perfume, all these expensive candles that plug up my nose anyways. I didn't make her take them back. Pray for me. I live such a hard life. It's so rough at home. <laughs> oh, we love to receive power, don't we? You should have just heard me going down the highway. <laughs> I'm still visualizing it. Anyways, back to this now. Four out. We all like to receive power. Acts 1 and verse 8. And Acts 2 verse 4 is all about receiving. It's not complicated. Not complicated one little bit. It's all about receiving. Jesus wants us to receive life. Receive energy. Receive excitement in your day. Receive vigor and vitality. Receive the thrill of ministry. Ministry never has to be boring. The thrill. Oh, Jesus says with the Holy Spirit, receive Christianity with purpose. Oh, receive power by the hour, for the hour. I receive that. Receive equipment for service. Receive triumph for your challenging moments. Receive victory over battles. That's all that in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, that that Jesus is telling his disciples in 1, verse 8 of Acts, receive. That's all you have to do for this. Receive. I want you to know that this is not a healthy world. They're, They're saying even organic foods. They said it's pure. No, no, it's not pure. How can it be pure when there's pollution all around? It's Purer, but it's not pure. Organic foods that we're eating. I want you to know that destruction is aimed your way. I want you to know that the enemy is hungry and thirsty to devour you, to destroy you, to knock you off your game plan. The enemy wants to sucker punch you every opportunity he can. He'll hit you anywhere, any place, at any time. That's just the reality of life. And Jesus knew that. He said, I know that my disciples, my early followers, are going to have a challenging time. It's a polluted world. It's a difficult world. It has not changed. It's still the same today. I need the same power that these early disciples needed. You need the same power that these early disciples needed. And so what Jesus says is, I long to blow the wind of overcoming power your way. I want to give you something that will enable you to be victorious. All you got to do is put up your sails and receive the wind. It's never been so easy to receive. So what difference does the Holy Spirit make anyways? Why would we ever want to accept his wind? Two points. Number one. The wind of the Holy Spirit makes the difference between death and life. That's why we want to receive the wind of the Spirit of God. Makes the difference between death and life. Let me take you to the man they call Ezekiel. The story is found in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel is known as the prophet of the Spirit. There are 25 references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel consists of a series of visions that God gave the prophet. One of these visions is found in chapter 37. And in chapter 37, we read that 
Ezekiel was carried to a valley and, and placed in the deepest part of that valley. The first thing he noticed that it was full of bones. His eyes perceived, his eyes saw. He was then told not just to have a look, but I want you to go now, the Lord says, and I want you to walk among the dry, dead bones. Why do you think God said, I don't know why, but maybe the Lord wanted him to, I want you to see the impact of the dusty, dry, and dreary death. I want you to see how bad it really is. Open up your eyes, take a walk through, experience it, see it. What was it like for him to walk around bones, just a boneyard, walking over there? They're everywhere. They're all, and he, he's just way, making his way through. And what was going through his mind at that time? And then as he's having a look at this valley of dead bones and walking through it, he's asked, do you think these bones can live? What? Do you think these bones can live? Now, even though it's a flicker, a glimmer of hope for Ezekiel as he hears that life and living He knows. It's beyond his comprehension. He knows that there's no way in his own self that he could ever make life out of this boneyard, this graveyard. And so he looks back and says, well, I can't do nothing with this graveyard. There's no way that I can bring life here. So God only, you know, he looks back to the Lord, only you know if there can be life here or not. Because beyond my human ability to even comprehend it, Now the Lord throws it back to Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel, prophesy. I want you to prophesy to these dry, dusty, dreary bones. The Lord wanted Ezekiel not just to see the plight of a graveyard, but he said, I want you to see the potential of life, of new beginnings in the graveyard. Ezekiel could have said, are you, are you kidding? He could have said, death is final, it's over, I'm out of here. But he steps out in faith and he begins to prophesy. And here's what he says. Dry bones. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what God says. It's not what Ezekiel's saying, but here's what God is saying. Do you think for a moment that Ezekiel caught himself as he's prophesying to this boneyard graveyard and saying, Ezekiel, what do you think you're doing? Because, you know, there's two minds, or there's our human mind that's at operation. Have you ever prophesied in a certain situation and halfway through your your, your human mind began to say, what are you really saying? Do you know what you're saying? And you say, should I cut it off? Should I continue? Have a bit of a wrestling match there. But you say, no, I know it's from God. doesn't make any sense. It made no sense, I'm sure, to Ezekiel. And sometimes our prophetic words that we share with somebody makes no sense whatsoever. But because we know it's from God, we proceed and we deliver and we share the prophetic words. I wonder if Ezekiel halfway through there said, Ezekiel, are you crazy or something? You're prophesying to death. Maybe. Maybe those things were going through his mind. But he says, I want dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what God says, I'm going to make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I will attach tenants to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. 
I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 37 and verse 5. This is miracle, supernatural prophesying. This is the kind of prophecy that you know, unless God does it, it ain't happening. This is the element where man is removed. There's no way that a, a man could ever produce this. So you know that you're occupying miracle space. You know that God's got to come through. You know it's got to be a divine encounter. You know that God has to do the impossible because with man, things are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible, the word says. So unless there's divine intervention, it's going to remain exactly where it is, dead. It's not easy to look at things as they can be instead of what they are. That's hard to do. It's hard to look at things as they can be instead of what they are. You see, God sees past, present, and future. But you and I, all we see is the present. The present, what we're in, the present. And it could be a valley. It could be a dungeon. It could be a graveyard. All we see is, here's where I'm fixed. Here's where I stand. We find it hard to see what things can be. We get stuck there in our graveyard thinking, in our graveyard outlook. See, what God is saying is that there's hope in every graveyard. What God is saying is, I can see the future. You can't see the future, but I can see the future. And I may have a prophetic word for you, God would say. It may be delivered to you through somebody else. But I have a word for you. It's not over. When was the last time? You prophesied over your valley of dry bones. When was the last time you, you got alone with God and you recognized that you were in a mess and it was deep? But you heard what God was saying to you and you began to prophesy. You began to speak. As directed by the Lord, you spoke to your circumstances. You spoke to your situation. You spoke to your valley. You spoke to your dry bones. He said, hear the word of God. Prophesying. When's the last time you prophesied over your death sentence, your hopeless situations, your dusty, dirty, discouraging, and despairing problems? The first thing I want you to know this morning is all of us have problems. The devil tries to alienate us and say, you're the only one that's got issues. You're the only one in the valley. No, no. Every one of us, we're just filled with problems. Issues. We all got, I got them. I've been through some problems. I've been through some valleys, and I got some more to go through. We all got issues. We all got valleys. Our problems is that we face at times what we actually do is we, we place a period at the end of the sentence. It's done, it's finished. And God says, Why don't you just put a comma there and keep on writing? Our problem is we think that final in man's domain means final with God. And so as I preparing this this past week and the process of my mind, I, sometimes I never really know where I'm going to end up until I sit down behind my desk and pray to God and seek his face and, and get it down. But I begin to think about David in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I begin to think about his situation, about his giant, his, the big man, the big guy that he's up against and, and what was going through his mind. Didn't he begin to prophesy? Isn't that what he was doing when he came up against Goliath? He was sure he was. He was prophesying. He said, you come against me 
with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. That was prophesying. That was prophesying. Try that out on your problems. Try that out on your graveyard that you faced. You come against me in sword and spirit. It's mighty, but I'm going to come against you with the Lord and his power and his Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be an overcomer. Amen. See, graveyard thinking goes like this. Oh, you come against me with sword and spirit, and I am finished. You come against me with a sword and a spear, and I'm never going to survive. I'll crawl in my hole, and it's over. That's graveyard thinking. Oh, don't think and speak but things as they are, but what they can be. All things are possible to them that believe. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, at this point, I better define what I mean by prophecy. There's lots of definitions out there. Mine is very simple. Very, very simple and clear to me what the word prophecy means to me. It means simply to speak the word and the will of God to your circumstance, your situation. That's all it means to me. Speak the will and speak the word of God. As God leads, as you, as you pray and as you call upon the Lord and He implants some thoughts in your minds and some words, you speak it out. It's really not confusing, is it? Or hard. Last Sunday, I visited with someone in the hospital and, and that very thing happened to me. As I'm conversing with this individual, sharing with me his valleys, his Graveyard, the, 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 the situation that he's in. I began to feel as a prophetic word coming up. The will and the word of God for his situation. And I just spoke that halfway through as I'm speaking it. I realized, Lord, this is not my thinking. This is not my understanding. This is not what I would have said on my own. But I feel this is where you're directing me. And I'm going to continue to speak out these words for this man. Because you want him to know there's life in the graveyard. You want him to know there's resurrection coming. That he can come out of this prophecy, speaking the word and the will of God. It works for me anyways. That's my definition. I have often told you how I recommitted my life to Christ on my 18th birthday, dark in Nova Scotia, in a hotel room on a Sunday evening. I was with... My friend John, two of us in the room. Incidentally, this last couple, couple of weeks ago, general conference, John was one of the speakers in the morning session. And I had not spoke to John before the session began or even leading up to it. I haven't spoke to him for a long time. You know, he just kind of drift apart. And his, he began to share that morning he began to tell our story in a hotel room. I, I can't really define for you how I felt sitting at the table. We were all around tables. This was a different conference. First time we're sitting around tables. Telling our story of how we came back to Jesus. Oh, it was such a moving experience for me. How God got a hold of our lives. And after he was done speaking, and this is a long time ago now, October 1974, 
After he's done speaking, I, I met him in the fellowship area outside the room and I said, John, he said, Gary, and we hugged, we embraced twice. We talked a little bit, then embraced again. And I said, John, you remember parts of that story that I had forgotten. And it happens to all of us, significant, significant occasions and situations. We just remember different parts. But I said, you brought it all back to my mind. And, and as he mentioned those things, yeah, 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 he said. One of the things he said, which I did remember this part, was the prophetic word. Where a lady in church, at the same hour on a Sunday night at the service was on, the young lady in the church had a prophetic word directed to us. That prophetic word was delivered to us in a hotel room. And it hit us like, like that. We knew it was from God. The conviction of the Spirit of the Lord. And the power of God. And we just found ourselves saying, Lord... I know that's for me, the prophetic word. She was speaking the word and the will of God for our situation. And that was instrumental in us giving our lives back to the Lord. Immediately after that, God began to call us both into the ministry, pastoral ministry. Him in evangelism for a while, now he's pastoring in Ottawa. And the miracle I used to often say is that God called us and we're in ministry. But now as I look back over the years, I believe the ongoing miracle is that we're still in the ministry. 29 years for me, probably 31 or 32 for him. Because many start and they never finish. And so the miracle is that, that we still find ourselves relying on the wind and the power of the Holy Spirit because without him we'll fail, without him we'll fumble, without him we'll never survive. So I'm grateful to God today that I can stand here and say after 29 years, I'm still in ministry and still loving it and enjoying it and still looking into the future and saying, we still got more to do together for the kingdom. Amen. Oh man, have I lost time here. Well, Ezekiel, Ezekiel took God at his word. And he prophesied to this graveyard. Relax for those of you who think he's got two points. No, I'm just doing one today. <laughs> I know you're thinking that. I'm going to end on one. But I'm not done yet. So Ezekiel was not finished. Ezekiel took God at his word. Prophesied to this graveyard. And here's what happened. There was a noise. There was rattling sounds. There was bones coming together. There was tenants and flesh appearing. Something was happening because one man obeyed the leading of the Lord and he prophesied. But God was not finished leading Ezekiel. He said, now Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the breath. Come from the four winds. Breathe into these slain so they may live. And it happened. And what took place was, he said, up from the ground. Resurrected out of that graveyard was a vast and mighty army. But God was not finished. Now he said, I want you to prophesy to that army that's now standing before you. I want you to tell them they have got a great future. Oh, from death to life. And not just from life, but from life to a purpose. To the, from the valley to the mountaintop. Great and marvelous. A future. There's no end to the Christian life. There's no end to where God will lead you from glory to glory to glory to glory. That's why the Christian life is so exciting. There's nothing quite like it. 
And God wants us to know that it's never over. So some of you that are here this morning and you feel like it's over, God is saying it's not over. God is telling you that it's never hopeless. Never say never. All things are possible with God. The Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing wind. It breathes and ushers life into people. But here's the exciting part. We know the Ezekiel story, Ezekiel 37, but now let me jump you over to the New Testament into Paul's writings and what he says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He says, he who prophesies edifies the church. They edify the church. This is for today. This is for this moment. This is for this hour. This is for next Sunday. This is for next year should the Lord tarry and we remain. I want you to know that prophecy edifies the church, Paul says. And then he also says in 14, uh, 1 Corinthians verse 31, you can all prophesy. Did you know as the body of Christ, when you come to faith in the Lord, God says, did you know that you have a prophetic gift that you can use? I can use you to encourage, because that's what the scripture says, you all can prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be encouraged. Yeah, he says in turn, he says there's got to be order in the church. And, of course, he brings in the checks and the balances in there. It must be guided and pastor. But he said, every one of you, in turn, can prophesy so that people can be built up and encouraged so people can hear the word and the will that I have for them. I like that. I think that's exciting. It doesn't always just have to come from the pulpit. Not just always just coming from the pastor. But God says, I want the whole body involved in ministry. The whole body can prophesy. And speak into someone's life and encourage and enrich. So you can walk out of this place taller than when you came in. You feel so good about who you are. You should grow an inch every Sunday when you leave. You feel better than when you came to church. You can all prophesy. You can all be used of the Lord. So someone in the service may have a word. During worship, I've got a word God has given me. We have... Ways to have that share with the congregation. But not just in the Sunday gatherings, but through the week. On Monday or on Tuesday or Wednesday in a small group or some other gathering. Maybe across the kitchen table with someone. God's given you a word. A prophetic word. It's a word of exhortation for someone that may be in the grave. And you say, I've heard from God for you. And here's what it is. Those are words of life. The moving of the Holy Spirit. No wonder the psalmist said, I know when to lift my eyes to the hills. I know when to look up. Because when I look up, that's where my strength and help comes from. Look up and rise up. Look down and go down. But rise up, God says, I've got a word. So he may give you a word for somebody else. Or he may give someone else a word. For you. Oh, how I love the moving of God's Holy Spirit in the church. I love when the Holy Spirit does things that astound me. I love when I can't understand what God is doing. I love when I see people set free and delivered. So my prayer on this Pentecost Sunday is blow 
Holy Spirit, the wind. We are open to receive the breeze, the gentle breezes of the Spirit in our church. Blow. What a great picture you see there. Worship team, come. Stand. Let's just make that our prayer. Holy Spirit, blow. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. How we need you, Holy Spirit. How we need your gentle breezes. How we need to open up and lift up our hearts, lift up our hunger, put our hunger on display that you can see that there is a thirst for you. Oh, there's no way, Lord, we know. There's no way that the world can ever be one to you without the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no way that we can ever hope to make it through those difficulties that we find ourselves in, the graveyards of life, without the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, sometimes you made it so complicated. Help us, God, not to make it so complicated. They just got together. They just prayed. They were just hungry. They just received. Nothing's changed. Jesus Christ, same, yesterday, today, and forever. You still baptize believers. You still fill us with your Holy Spirit. You still give us a prayer language and other tongues that we don't understand. You still have a prophetic word. that goes that can go through our lips to minister to somebody else. We have all the resources we need. Thank you, Holy Spirit.